Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study through the book of Philippians. In fact, we're getting near the end of Philippians as we are just about done with Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking um, at verses 14 through 17 today. And we're going to be looking at this, the concept of giving and specifically investing in other uh, ministries that is, is something that is really important that we see in Scripture, and it's one of those things that uh, is really what this chapter is about, or a good portion of this chapter is about, that the Apostle Paul is going and talking to the Philippians about. But let's go ahead and let's jump into this by reading Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and it says, Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Iodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and have received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to uh, need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, the passage that we're going to be looking at today is verses 14 through 17. But remember what comes before this, the context of this passage, and that's the Apostle Paul going and saying uh, that he has learned how to be abased, and he's learned how to abound, and yet he's content in all things, or he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. He can bear all of these things. And then he comes here to verses 14 through 17, and it says this, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. 
Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And this is an interesting thing because we go and we see that the Apostle Paul, really, when he's talking about his contentment, he's also talking about the giving of the Philippians. Um, in fact, in verse 10, it says, I re- But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. And then it jumps in, you know, we're going to skip here to verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. And we, we see this concept here that the church in Philippi is one that wanted to give and has given to the Apostle Paul. And the first thing that I want us to see in verse 14 is that in order to do well, in order to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant, in order to get a well done, because this is where we see you're doing well, you've done well, is you have to go and invest in other ministries. You have to go and invest in other ministries, financially go and to help out in this. And this is uh, one of those things that is absolutely important as a Christian, because we understand that God goes and he says, look, 10% is mine. We call that the tithe. In fact, it's not just any 10%, it's the first 10%, where God goes and says, look, that first 10% is mine. But then in order to, to do well, we go and we see, it says, nevertheless, you've done well that you've shared in my distress. There's an investment that comes into other ministries. And I find this fascinating that it's the Apostle Paul who is writing this because the Apostle Paul is often used by people who want to go into be against giving or at least mandated giving in Scripture. There are people who go and they they, they might go and say, look, uh, you, you know, I'm not against giving, but but it's it, it can't be mandated in the New Testament. People will go and, and say that. And of course, they'll point to the Apostle Paul, and they generally point to kind of three things that uh, the, the Apostle Paul has. The first one um, is the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, uh, be cheerful givers. Well, uh, that's true. We, we should be cheerful givers. There's no doubt about that, but that doesn't mean that there's not mandated giving. The second one uh, that they'll go and they'll point to often is uh, the, the concept that the Apostle Paul also was a uh, was a tent-making pastor. He was a bivocational um, church planter or apostle. Um, he he is one that had a a secular job at the same time, and they'll go and they'll they'll, they'll point to that, especially because um, in that explanation, the apostle Paul ties that to not putting any difficulty um, on on people, and of course they'll they'll also tie the tie to the Old Testament. But the third thing. Um, that they'll go and they'll really point out is something um, like this passage, really, when you're going and you're you're looking at this, uh, that it's it's one of those that it's it's shared. it's it's um, you shared in my distress and that type of a thing. But I also would point out with the Apostle Paul is he's also the author of First Timothy, where he goes and he says that, you should pay the pastor. Uh, in fact, he goes and he ties it interestingly to the Old Testament to a law that says you shall not muzzle the ox while he treads his grain. 
Uh, and then the Apostle Paul goes and says, in fact, uh, a good pastor you should go and give a, a double portion to. Um, the uh, Apostle Paul also goes, and of course, right here in this, is saying, uh, nevertheless, you've done well that you have shared in my distress. We, we see these concepts, and this is just, just fascinating to me, because what the Apostle Paul is getting at in that first part that I said, where he's a bivocational pastor uh, or church planter um, apostle, and where also he's talking about being a cheerful giver, uh, he, he's really talking about that first part that we looked at yesterday of going and being content. You know, I've, I've learned how to be content in all things. Okay, well, that's people go and look at that and they say, see, you, you should be content. You should be able to go into work uh, for other ministries and look, you only need to be cheerful in there. So there's no mandated giving. But the Apostle Paul is really going and saying with the receiver, yes, there needs to be contentment. That's that's absolutely vital. Um, you, you should be content. That's one of the most important things that we find in the Christian life, being surrendered and being content. But the Apostle Paul also goes and sees something much deeper and uh, much greater, and not just the concept that God goes and says certain parts of finances are, are His, but also he understands that he wants you to do well. He wanted the church in Philippi to do well and to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, there is a level of investment that needs to be done. And it's not, hey, you have to give so much money so that you can get out of purgatory or something like that, but it's this concept of priority. And if you're not willing to invest in ministry, but you're willing to invest in all kinds of other things in your life, what does that say? It says that you have a different priority than the things of God. And if you are prioritizing other things over God all the time, and God's things are always of lesser priority, you're not going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I want to look at another thing here. It says here in verse 16, excuse me, verse 15, it says, Now you Philippians know also that at the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, that no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Now, this is important to go and to understand because it's not just that you need to go and to find good ministries and say, look, I'm going to partner with those ministries financially. But then he's pointing out something else. You see, the church in Philippi, we find that they wanted to give, but they lacked the opportunity in verse 10. And we see here that at the beginning of the gospel, they gave. So at the beginning of the ministry, the Apostle Paul that they gave, and when he departed from Macedonia, they were the only church that was giving and receiving with, with the Apostle Paul. They were, they were the only ones that were giving. And then they continued to give when he went to Thessalonica, and it says, and they sent aid once again, and now they're sending aid again to the Apostle Paul. They gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. It's this concept of not just that they gave one time, but they are faithful givers. It's not just a, a one-time decision in their life, but that they're faithfully investing into other ministries. If you want to hear well done, 
you want to go and to say in your life that you're doing well, then it's not just a one-time priority that you have on the things of God, but it's going and saying, look, I'm faithfully investing into the things of God. And then we see one final thing that I want us to see here this morning, and this is this is vital because th- this really ties it together. And it goes and it says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. See, the Apostle Paul took it one step deeper. And that is that it is of blessing to the giver to be giving. You see, there are a lot of people who are leery of giving to ministries, to God's causes, because there are people who abuse this. And they go and they, they're all about, you know, money. Hey, you give $200 and you're going to get 2000 back. So into my ministry, so because if you send in twenty, uh, you you know, grandma on a fixed income, then 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 guess what? Here, God's going to give you two hundred thousand. You know, that's not what this is getting at. You see, somebody who has a a good godly ministry, and they're going and they're asking for funds. They're not asking for funds because they're sitting out here saying. Oh, oh! Look, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking to gain all this money, and in, in looking at it this way, they're understanding that ultimately there is fruit that goes to the account. Now, of course, there's spiritual fruit. When you invest financially into a ministry that that is serving the Lord, there is financial fruit, or excuse me, there is spiritual fruit that comes from that financial offering, that financial giving. And in heaven, you're going to have a part. In that, it's not going to be just the one person or the one ministry or the team of ministers or whatever it would be. It's going to be everybody who took part in that. God is going to recognize that part, and you're going to get credit for that. It's it's heavenly rewards. It's eternal rewards. But I also do want to say that though there are people who abuse it, like I said, so twenty dollars and you're going to get two hundred back, or whatever it might be. There is a principle of sowing and reaping that cannot be mocked. The best investment you can make and the best financial habit that you can have in your life outside of of tithing, although this is definitely part of it, is being generous. Generous people end up making more money. Why? Because sowing and reaping. It's the laws of sowing and reaping. Generous people end up making more money. It's just the way that it works because God designed it. And God says, look, you, you, you know, you're not supposed to test God, but God goes and says, look, there's one place you can test me. And that's in the offering plate. He goes and he says that. Isn't that incredible to stop and to realize there is a benefit to this. And the minister of God who is going and saying, look, we're, we're looking for funds. He's going to go and realize it's not just that, that, yes, realizing God is going to use that gift to further the ministry. The minister understands that. They're not dumb. Well, some of them are, but that's, that's not the point here. They, they realize that. What they're going and saying is, and seeing, is you're going to be blessed through your investment, and it is a seeking 
of your fruit to the account because they have committed their life going and saying, look, I'm going to serve God whether you give or whether you don't. But it's only going to help you if you do give. Well, hopefully this has been helpful here today, specifically in understanding these three things. One, in order to really hear hear well done, you're going to need to invest in good ministries. Two, you need to invest faithfully. And three, it's to your benefit. It's to your benefit. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle's been won. Then you feel it, the song that is rising. Then you can't help but let it out. If you're trusting in faith, even now. already